0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to episode nine of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbart. And the intent of the podcast, kind of the, the why are we here, so to speak, is to work out all of our trials or hardships in such a way that we can see God's glory and begin to unfold his plan for our lives. But you may be thinking as you come to listen to this podcast, kind of, what does this have to do with me? Why do I need to listen to Scar? And here's the truth, guys. We all have issues. Plain and simple, we all have stuff, whether big or small, it's there. This could be uh, friend drama. This could be family drama. This could be work-related. All of this kind of stuff it can accumulate, right? It can it can really accumulate and begin to cloud our minds and and change the trajectory of our lives if we allow it to. But this is why this is why we need scars that we need to come together under one roof and really be able to discuss this stuff and be able to discuss uh the things that are going on in our lives and how God is really moving and progressing in our lives today uh i have a a guest a good friend of mine that works offshore joshua glover joshua would you tell everyone hello hello so i actually just to give you guys a little background i actually met josh through my father uh my father works on oil rigs as a surveyor he goes out tells me uh, I met this guy, Josh Glover. He has a great story. You really got to hear this guy's story. And come to find out through talking and hearing Josh's story, me and Josh were on the same rig back in 2014 and didn't even know it. We never even put it together. Don't even remember. I, we may have bumped into each other. And so it's just crazy how how all this works out. Uh, Josh, will you kind of... Will you kind of lead us into a little bit uh, of, of your story, your, your wife and children, and, and how you guys met and all of that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, grew up in Colorado. Um, really felt like I never belonged here. Uh, saw a lot of things that kind of made me want to get away from here. Uh, so I joined the Navy and got stationed in uh, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. That was the furthest I could get stationed away from oh, wow. uh, away from home. You know, um, and yeah, I uh, kind of met my wife just pretty much by accident, went to a friend's house and she was uh, she was in the garage and uh, just as I was leaving their house, I, I, it's kind of uh, kind of embarrassing and funny. I bent over and my, uh, my jeans ripped
0: out. Oh, no.
1: And, and so my butt's hanging out of my pants <laughs> and, you know, she just happened to make a little a little uh, comment towards it. You know, and I made a comment back and, and we just we hit it off. Oh, I wow. mean, it, it, it was uh, something I had never experienced before with a, a woman, you know, um, feelings that like right then and there, I just knew.
0: Yeah. I mean, without a shadow of doubt, I just
1: knew that, hey, this is somebody that I can spend the rest of my life with and enjoy
0: every single moment. Now, you were in the military at the time? Yes, sir. I was in the Navy on submarines. Navy. On submarines. And how long were you on the submarines before you went offshore?
1: Um, I was in the submarine service for six
0: years. After meeting your your wife? Uh, well, I met her around four years into being in the service. Okay. Okay. So, so she was with you. So she was with you for a couple years in the in the <laughs> service, and then right. when at what point did y'all actually get married? Um, we actually got married about six months after we met. We How about that? It was, hey, yeah. when when you know, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. We moved in together within a month after meeting
1: and starting to date. And uh, five months later, we went and got married, had a nice little wedding right on the beach. Uh, the submarine actually went and put together the wedding
0: ceremony. And wow. Like, wow. And uh, it, it was amazing. Man, that is really cool. So, so I guess when you got out of the Navy, it's sort of a, okay, what am I going to do now?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much kind of bounced around back and forth between jobs. Um, went to work for GM up in Michigan, got laid off uh, when they laid off everybody in 2003, 2004 time timeframe. Um, hopped from job to job. There was nothing to find up there. The yeah. unemployment rate was phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, yeah, then, um, yeah, she got pregnant with our first daughter. Um, I knew that I did not want them to stay in Michigan. You know, I, di- I didn't see a good future in Michigan at the time uh, with, with the state's economics. Uh, so I went over to Iraq for a year and a half as a contractor, um, came back, and then we ended up having our second child, second daughter, um, and then I was fortunate enough to find a
0: job offshore. All right, man. And and so you were, uh, did you immediately start, uh, how did you become DPO? Which uh, is di- so I, hold on that's dynamic positioning uh officer it is uh basically uh uh maintaining the rig by acoustics good I, I guess a good way to put it all right so so uh how did how did that happen um well I actually got hired as an ordinary seaman, which is the bottom of the ladder yep um because they didn't have any other openings
1: uh but due to my background in the navy and uh whatnot um I went up and talked to the captain. He said, what do you want to do? You can do anything you want out here. You just let me know and I'll help you out. And I told him, I was like, I want to go to the bridge. I want to drive the ship, you know? Um, So he, uh, he got permission and let me start going to schools on all my off time. And it took me about two years of uh, going to work for three to four weeks at a time.
0: And then pretty much going to school for 90% of the time I was home. That's Uh, hard work, man. Yeah. And uh, two years though.
1: And, I got all my licenses and passed all my Coast Guard exams and got my certificates and got a job as a a dynamic positioning operator and actually uh, my very first hitch back when I got promoted to dynamic positioning operator, uh, the rig I was on was just leaving Africa heading back to the Gulf of Mexico and uh, the captain pulled me in right off the helicopter and said, hey, uh, we've got to get rid of all expats because we're going back to the Gulf of Mexico and uh, so I don't have any officers, so you're my 0, 0600 to 1800 officer. We're leaving in two days. Go make me a voyage plan and drive us back across the pond.
0: What? Yep. <laughs> Huge yeah. Huge responsibility.
1: Yeah, yeah. We had a, uh, a hurricane roll off uh, of Africa that year, um, about two weeks after we left Africa and pretty much follow us, um, past us in Puerto Rico. And then I had to drive through the hurricane debris into the Gulf of Mexico. It was a, it's quite a rude awakening, um, you know, uh, really opened my eyes into the new job, but, uh, one of the best
0: experiences I ever had. Sure. Absolutely. And so, um, you you know, sometimes we just get thrown into the fire, you know, sometimes it just, it just happens that way. And they say, sometimes that's the best way to grow is to just be, be thrown into it. Now, um, Fast forwarding a little bit, uh, it it wasn't it wasn't too much longer after that. Your your wife got sick, right?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, she started getting um, symptoms here and there. You know, we started going to doctors and asking them questions. Um, she started getting uh, stomach pains, can you know, kind of uh, middle abdomen pains, a little bit below the stomach where the intestines are, um, and they couldn't they couldn't explain why. Um, over time it progressed to where she started having hallucinations mm. um she started having uh i guess you could say kind of bouts of dementia or blackouts um okay. you know i would be talking to her just plain as day like you and me right now and the next thing you know she is she's not there mentally anymore she's just out just uh, somewhere else she's she's talking to a cat that you know we had in the past mm-hmm. um, you know talking to the kids even though the kids were in school um, yeah you know so really started going in and out of the hospital quite a bit um that lasted for about five five and a half years um
0: so what doctor
1: doctor, and
0: what was the diagnosis
1: so uh they believe we never got it confirmed but they believe she had a a disease called acute intermittent porphyria um, it's the same disease that King George II if anybody knows their history they called him crazy King George yeah. because he suffered from dementia hallucinations same exact disease as he had
0: Wow and so so she fought this for five years
1: yeah it was about five five and a half years of no, you know no answers
0: just doctor but, after doctor
1: emergency room after emergency room uh,
0: but then there was a breakthrough what 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 yes. happened there uh, so out of nowhere her
1: OBgyn. Um, at a regular appointment, said, Hey, I, I have an idea. I, you know, and she looked at me, she was like, I'm gonna give you some urine specimen collections. And when she's having one of these bouts, I'd like you to collect her urine, take it out in the sunlight, leave it out there for 72 hours and see what happens, and then let me know. Well, one but a couple weeks later, she had a bout, collected her urine, I took it outside. It wasn't 20 seconds, and all of a sudden her urine went from, you know, clearish yellow to, uh, it was almost purple. Oh. Um, and called her up, and she said, yeah. She was like, that's that are, that's some of the telltale signs of porphyria. Um, you know, so immediately went and started talking to the doctors. Um, they started running tests on her, and then they decided with how far gone she had been, she had already had several unnecessary surgeries by this point trying to find out the cause of the stomach pains and this and that. Um, So they started treating her for the porphyria. Um, So the treatment is Heman, which is a medicine made out of other people's blood. And she had to go to a cancer treatment center and sit next to um, you know chemo patients while she was getting her uh, Heman transfusions. Um, And the Heman basically soaks up, the body makes perfirins, and then they meet with a chromosome in the blood, in the bone marrow, and then you know this perfirin and this chromosome, when they get together, they allow the blood to carry iron, you know, et cetera, et cetera. When you're missing a chromosome, that's what causes porphyria. Now that perfirin starts to build up, and perfirins are actually toxic to the human body.
0: Okay. okay.
1: So depending on which perfirin builds up is which
0: subtype of porphyria you have. So, what was their determination, or what was their, uh, what, what, what was the protocol? What did they do? Uh, so, they just
1: started treating her with the Heman, and they put her on um, fentanyl, time release, mm-hmm. time delay pain patches uh, for the stomach pains, and just started doing blood work after blood work after blood work, uh, you know, test after test, so they could find out, confirm, verify, see what was working, what wasn't working. Um, you
0: know, monitor, um, all you know, this, she, all this is going on. What, what is kind of, what is taking place in your mind all of this time over this period of time? Well, uh,
1: you know, for a while there I, I did, I started getting discouraged. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she wasn't the woman that I had married. Mm-hmm. She wasn't the woman I had fell in love with anymore. You know, after, after three to four years of this, uh, you know, she laid in bed all day, you know? Uh, she would complain about things that she would have never complained about before.
0: Right. You know, um, she wouldn't do things with the kids. You know, she wouldn't take them
1: Halloween. You know, out trick or treating. She didn't feel well enough to do so, or else, or else she was scared she'd have an attack in the middle of a neighborhood and not even know how to get the girls home or
0: where she was. You know, at the um, end, at the end of the day, we're only human. So yes, yes, this weighs on my heart. But it'll also weigh on your mind psychologically, yeah, oh, you know yeah. and and make you not you love your wife, you love your significant other, nothing, nothing about that. it's just wow, this is not how I saw this going, right, right it yeah. was you know it was it was a different
1: person than who I married, yeah you know and, and it did it put a pretty heavy strain on me mentally and physically, you know and and I, I'd be lying if
0: I said I didn't have thoughts on leaving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, so, man. You're well, only human. It's only, right. I, you know, we, we're we're speaking honesty here. We want we want honest emotions. The honesty. My flesh says leave. My flesh says you you can't do this. You got to go. But right. your heart, your heart says, hey, you're okay. locked into this. You love your wife. Yep, Absolutely. Yeah. Not
1: only that, I had two sets of grandparents that had a 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah. I got to go to both of them. And and I thought, you know what? I want that someday.
0: So how how long was um, your wife on the fentanyl patches? Um well, shoot for about uh, three months. So she was on them three months and then you went you went offshore on the rig and six days later. Is this correct? Uh, now somewhere around uh, a week to a week, a week and a half later. A week yeah. to week and a half later, you get a phone call. Um, tell me about that phone call. Uh,
1: yeah. The uh, the captain came and uh and woke me up. I was asleep, and uh, you know he, he told me he was like, "Hey, he was like, uh, your old rig is is emailing me over and over again because." Our rig had just gotten a phone. We were brand new, and uh, saying you need to call you need to call home asap. You know, and uh, so in my mind, I'm sitting there. Okay, well, you know, maybe she regressed a little bit from the medicine. You know, and uh, so I made the phone call, and uh, a gentleman answers my wife's cell phone, and I'm you know, a little confused, and then he, you know, he's like, "I'm Detective So and So from the Shreveport Police Department." And, uh, you know, he's like, All right, you, you probably need to sit down. And I'm sitting there, and I mean, just a flood of, of I can questions.
0: only imagine.
1: I mean, just a flood of what, what is going on. Wow. And, uh, you know, he was like, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your wife passed away in her sleep uh,
0: throughout the night. Right there in that moment, what's happening in your mind? I went numb, to be honest.
1: I just went completely numb, and just all I wanted to know is, were my daughters okay? You know, um, how am I when we were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean sailing the rig to the Gulf of Mexico, you know, how am I going to get home? How am I going to take care of them? What, what, is, what is tomorrow going to bring?
0: So here's what I need the listeners to understand, is that you are in the middle of a rig move all right, coming from Cape Town, South Africa, all right, and and we are we are totally, I'm on this rig at this time, we find out through conversation, and I didn't even realize this was the same uh, years later. I'm putting all this together. We're on our way back from uh, Cape Town, South Africa, bringing this rig back into the Gulf. You get this phone call, and guys, there's no, there's no Walmart. All right? There's no there's no uh taxi ride home. You yeah. you are stuck in the middle of the ocean. You just get the news your wife has passed away. Your two kids were the ones that found her, am I correct? Yes sir,
1: yeah, and it was Mother's Day.
0: And it was Mother's Day and I want to know I want to know my kids are okay. I want to yeah. know I want to know what my kids are feeling. I got to be there. I need to be there for them. And you couldn't because of sheer space. Right. How, how do you find the strength to stand up at that time? What do you, what do, you do? What's your next move? What do you do from there?
1: Uh, well, to be honest, I immediately went into uh, either I
0: can sit here and really
1: think about this and let it weigh me down. Or I can get into action. You know, I can get into action, I can, I can keep doing my job, occupy my mind while I start thinking and rationalizing and actually getting to real answers instead of made up, what ifs and this and that. Um,
0: so this is what, this to me is what separates, um, you know, what, what separates a lot of people. Um, there are victors and there are victims and this sounds kind of cruel and it sounds kind of rough to say okay you found out your wife died all of this happened but you go back to work but what i need i need you to understand is that there is an there is an internal drive there is there is just something inside of men that says you, you, you know, it's it's going to be OK. I've got I need to make I need to make sense of this. OK, it is a fight or flight response. And you chose you chose to fight. You you, yeah. you chose to say, OK, I got to keep my hands busy. I've got to keep moving or I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. And and I just I commend that yeah. I commend. I commend your action, because you, you, you told me your, your grandfather, I believe it was, somebody taught you this. When tragedy happens, we either come alive or we come undone. Tell me about yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Um, it's actually a line from, uh, from one of my favorite songs ever. That's right. It was a song. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when that song came out and I listened to it, it was it was a uh, you know a few years after after my wife had passed away. You know, and I I was still going through a lot. You know, still trying to still trying to deal with everything. Yeah. You know, still trying to admit that this happened. Um. And I heard that song and I heard that line. And I and I listened to it over and over and over.
0: Man. And I sat there and I was like, you know, do I want to? You know, do I wanna be the person
1: that feels sorry for myself? Or do I wanna be the the father I need to be and show the strength I need to show to my daughters and, and get us going in the right
0: direction? Wow man, I just I can't I can't say enough about the motivation that gives me, the encouragement that gives me, the power that gives me. You made a comment and this was a really I love this comment, and, and I, I, I feel the same way whenever I tell my story and I share my story. You get to a point where you don't want to hear all poor, pitiful me anymore. Uh-uh. I, I want to tell people, I want that to be encouragement. I want my story, my testimony to be power to you, to be motivation to you, to stand up and stand on your own two feet, and no matter what, we got to keep moving. You know, and uh, uh, Martin Luther King said this one time. He said, "If you can't, if you can't run, walk, if you can't walk, crawl, but no matter what, you've got to keep moving." And and your your story is just uh, a huge driving force that points directly to that. Now, fast forwarding. Uh, after your wife passing away and, and moving on, uh, down the road, you, you manage to, I'm going to try to shorten it up just a little bit. You, you, you go home, you can't hardly fathom being in that house, going into the room, uh, and, and you, and you and your daughters decide to go on a road trip. Yes, sir. Y'all decide to, uh, uh, long story short, y'all decide to go back home to, um, uh, Colorado. Yes sir. And so you go there and there you see your sister, your family and all of that. You're freaking out about what you're going to do for work. You now have to take care of two kids, you're alone, and she steps in and says, "Um, I'll take care of the kids while you go work offshore." Yes sir. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a is. godsend. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is that is just that is just that is just a beautiful a uh, uh, picture of humanity of siblings of yeah. of family man right right of, take,
1: of taking care of one another like all
0: humans should like all humans should you just named it i don't care what religion i don't right? care what background i don't care i don't care what has happened we we should be there to lift each other up as relational beings because that's exactly what we were created to be and so it's just a beautiful testament but but as we as we unfold here and as we fast forward through times uh your oldest daughter gets sick yeah tell yeah. me about uh, that yeah it
1: was uh, december of 2015 so roughly a year and a half after my wife passed and uh you know she she started having some uh it looked like like muscle spasms in her neck you know i'm sitting there watching it you know and uh So I go to her pediatrician. Her pediatrician knew about my wife's disease, and it's a hereditary disease and whatnot. And we're talking, and I was like, is this maybe a precursor to to the disease? You know, I mean, this is something we need to get on top of. I know what it can do to a person. You know, he said, hey, we can run some blood work, uh, send it to a male clinic, see if she has a genome for it. We do the blood work Friday afternoon. The very next day, Saturday night, You know, the last person I expect to be getting a call from is a pediatrician. Right. They don't don't work on the weekends. Well, he had to go to his office or something and happened to check his email. And um, he called me up. He said, I need you to get Chloe to the hospital, the local hospital, uh, ASAP. I have, they are waiting for her, but I I believe she has kidney failure.
0: Wow, man. Kidney failure. Her kidneys were failing her. And in fact, they did, right? Yeah, they were. Uh, when we got to that hospital, they did more blood work. Confirmed
1: she had kidney failure. Her kidneys were functioning at about seven percent.
0: So, did you ever turn to in that moment? Okay, you had lost your wife. Now you're staring at this with your with your daughter. Kidney failure. Was there hope? Was there dread? Was there gloom? Doom? What was going on? Or was it? Or were you just automatically wired to? Okay, how can we fix this? What, what what was uh, happening?
1: So I want to say part of it was automatically wired. Um, another part of it was something that Chloe, the one that had the kidney failure, actually told to me uh, after my wife passed. You know, uh, right when I got home from my wife passing, I, you know, I, I think I was doing what every normal person is doing. They start questioning. You know, uh, God, why did you do this? God, why did this woman have to go through this? God, why, why, yes. why, 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 why? why? And uh, I remember I was sitting there. It was it was a day and a half or two days after I got home. I was holding the Bible in my hand. I was bawling, you know. And uh, and Chloe comes up, you know. And uh, she asked me. She's like, you know, hey dad, what's you know what's wrong? Um, you know. And I, uh, I'm sorry. It's,
0: <laughs> it's all right. It's all right, man. Th- th-
1: this moment in my life, uh, just just cemented my faith,
0: Yeah,
1: cemented my faith, you know, so I told her, I said, well, you know, I said, uh, you know, um, I don't understand why she had to go, I don't, I don't understand why God made her suffer through so much pain and everything before she could go, you know, and, uh, you know, she's 10 years old right now. You know, she just saw her, she just woke up ten, you know, seven days prior to this and saw her mom dead and called 911. Man, I Um,
0: couldn't imagine.
1: She looked at me straight in the eye, and I I will never forget this. She said, Dad, she said, maybe God makes certain people go through really tough times, you know, bad stuff here, and then when it's time for, you know, them to go, you know, God did that to them in this life, so that they can become angels and become the best angels
0: later on. You know, it's 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 out of the mouths of babes can come can come such encouragement, you know, such strength, uh, you, you know, and it's just a beautiful thing that that she could that she could be there for you and give you encouragement and build you strength and and yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it, that that her
1: statement right there literally made me realize that I don't ever 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 need to question what's going on in my life
0: Wow man this is this is just awesome uh, uh, pieces of truth that I, I need these I, I need you to understand like when tragedy happens we either come alive or we come undone okay so so it's all about your perspective. Attitude your grandfather had instilled uh, carrying the right attitude and and do you think that laid the foundation and the groundwork for how you've handled some of this uh, in your in your in your history? Yeah, definitely definitely that's, he, that's
1: all he ever preached when I was younger was
0: attitude attitude, attitude attitude. You know, so my grandfather was uh, he never
1: raised his voice at me he never raised a, a hand at me. Never raised nothing at me, yeah, but I was more fearful of that man just because I did not ever want to let him down yeah I mean that that man taught me how to live he taught me how to look at every single thing i don't I don't care how bad it is. there's something good in it. He
0: taught me that you know I love I love old man wisdom I <laughs> oh, love I love old man wisdom, man. Uh, I talked about that on one of my last podcasts uh, with a buddy of mine. I just I love tailgate, sitting on a tailgate with an old man with a straw hanging out of his mouth, and he tells you some of the, uh, uh, some of the most wisest truths ever known to man. Just just uh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Now let's fast forward a little bit. You get on a waiting list. Uh, you're actually going to donate a kidney, but you're also on a waiting list to see if. Um, if there's a better match
1: right yeah so they they put her on the donor list um you know but they said she was restricted and the reason she was restricted is because i was already doing the testing to give her one of my kidneys um and the the transplant coordinator nurse you know she was like look she was like we hardly ever call anybody that's restricted that's on the donor list so you know don't get all crazy and, you know, hyped up right away, you know. And, and I knew, you know, people wait on these lists for a while. You know, I do know the children, anybody under 18, they they're roots at the top of the list. But, you know, it's, it's not like kidneys are falling out of the sky.
0: Right, right.
1: You know? Um so yeah, um, yeah, we got placed on the list and it was six days later. Six days later.
0: Unheard of.
1: My sister calls out to the rig and she says "Josh, Josh, Josh" and I mean I can't understand her. And I'm like "Jenny, Jenny, slow down. I don't what are you saying?" She's like "We got the call." Wow. They have a match that is almost perfect.
0: That is unheard of.
1: Yes, yeah, 6 days on the list and restricted.
0: God is so good, man. So out of out of tragedies or out of heartache, heartbreak, you have seen you have seen miracle after miracle yeah. after miracle come from all of that. Yes, sir. I mean, yeah. How d- does that does that encourage? Does that strengthen? Does that does that does that, does that just stre- further strengthen your faith? Do you are you able to share this with people, um, or or are you just kind of uh, h- how has this affected your the rest of your walk?
1: I mean, you know, I try to share it with people, um, and, and I try to tell my daughters all the time when they, you know, oh, Dad, this is bad, or, you know, and I try to tell them, look, no, no, it's not bad. You need to, you need to look at the good. Yeah. Always look at the good, you know, and I try, I try to teach them what my grandfather taught me. And then I try over and over to tell them, you know, and other people. I was like, look, you know, it's the old adage. You can do 99 things. Perfect. You know, that one thing you do wrong, though, everybody's going to remember that. They're not going to remember the 99
0: things. Right, right.
1: I try to to tell everybody, look, yeah, hey, there's there's been tragedy in my life. Everybody has tragedy. Everybody. Everybody. But I guarantee you, if you go and you look back, the miracles that have been performed in your life, the love that has been given to you, the blessings that have fallen in your hands outweigh those tragedies one hundredfold.
0: Man, I you know I I wish I could sit right beside you and shake your hand after that. You know that's just uh, it's it's so true, man. We we should be thankful each and every day for the day that we're given, for the opportunities that we're given. What happened yesterday happened, okay? I can't I can't control that. I can't do that, but I can walk through that and get to tomorrow because I know who holds me today. Correct. You know, and, and I know who's guiding me today, and this is just, you know, your your daughter received that transplant, and um, uh, uh, just hours later, after receiving that transplant, she is up, and you sent a picture to me of her slumped over, holding her IV bag, and she is walking two miles.
1: Yes, she walked two miles, four hours after the surgery.
0: Man, like, that's your daughter, bro. You know, and and she is... She is walking two miles, and I guarantee you the strength and uh, uh, her ability to do that was the strength that you showed her through all of this. And I just I commend you uh, for for uh, you, you know not just being a great dad. But but being a great man, that's what we're called to do. I, uh, there's a difference in greatness and fame. Not all famous people are great, and, and not all great people are famous. But here's what I want uh, our listeners to really know. Guys like you and me, we can easily be overlooked in the day-to-day uh, scheme of things. People can walk right past me or you in Walmart and never know the story there. Never know the history there, but we should know we all have a story. We all have a history, and sometimes God is working all the time. God is working mightily within each and every one of our stories, and when we can plug them together, amazing things begin to happen. People begin to get shook, and and it's only at the shaking can we have an awakening and we can begin to uh, stand up on our own two feet and we can speak and be influences in other people's lives. I know for a fact that you're touching people with your story because it made it to me. Here I am in South Alabama recording you uh, in Colorado uh, on a on a podcast and, and you may never know the fruits of your labor. You may never know what your story or your life is doing in the lives of someone else, but one day you will. <laughs> one day it will all become uh crystal clear and I want to thank you for this for this amazing story, but uh, one more thing, you're now engaged, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, and tell me tell me about that.
1: Uh yeah, um about 3 years ago, I uh I happened to reach out to a uh actually a gal that I went to high school with that I was, you know, friends with, um, you know, and she was going through some tough times and I I had no idea what she was going through, you know, or anything. Um, but I, I just wrote her a message. I said, Hey, don't focus on the bad stuff. There's a reason, you know, there's always a reason, you know, he has his ways, he has his reasons. You may never know, them, but but therefore uh, an outcome that he wants you to achieve. You know, you've got to just keep that head up, keep that positive attitude, keep that positive outlook. You know, and, and you may not think it. You may think you're all on your own, you know, trudging through the mud. He's right there, though.
0: Yeah. He's got you. He's got you.
1: He's got you. And, and and I, you know, I just sent her that message. I was like, I don't know what you're going through. I know I've been through some stuff, and I'm just telling you with positive outlook, with faith, you know, you're going to get through this. Mm. And it's going to be for a better reason. You know, then you know. Well, we kept on talking, and pretty soon we went on a date together. And, uh, you know, it was funny. We had talked quite a bit, you know, on Messenger while I was at work. And, um, you know, we meet up for the date. And the minute I saw her, (laughs) the minute I saw her, that, that lightning bolt that hit me when I saw Megan knocked me on my butt. Wow. I mean uh yeah I met, I met two of the most wonderful women in the world
0: you know I'm watching you um, through through Facetime here and I can I can see the emotion uh, I can I can I can see the joy and that's what I want people to get out of out of scar out of out of out of these testimonies I want joy abroad it's not to remember and relive and and talk about all of the things that went wrong we're missing it look at all of the things that are going right and all of the ways that god is moving is just is just incredible you got to meet two beautiful women and be a part of two amazing uh uh, women's lives and you learned and 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 you've given and there's there's I just got back from Israel and uh and and I learned there's two types of bodies of water, like like the River of Jordan. There's those that that take and give back. The it the, the 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 Jordan River receives water and it gives back water to the Dead Sea. And then there's those bodies of water like the Dead Sea that just take and they just take and they just take. And I want to encourage us to be vessels. To take and give back. Take and give back. And that's exactly what you're doing, man. And uh, I just want to commend you and uh, uh, thank you for your time, your story. Uh, It's a beautiful testimony of God's grace and God's goodness. Before we close out, I want to hit you with one verse. And you just tell me uh, how it makes you feel. In 2 Timothy Chapter one, verse seven, for the spirit of God, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. How does that make you feel?
1: Uh, well, you know, I mean, um, the the spirit he gave us, it doesn't make us timid, you know, it kind of, you know, we don't need to meander through life, you know, uh. To me, that kind of reminds me of an old adage, you know. There's a saying, you only live once. That's right. That's false. You live every single day. Wow. You won't die
0: once. Wow. That is huge. That's the
1: power, the love, the self-discipline, you know, the positive attitude, you know, the faith, you know, that that he gave us that if we have the right attitude, we're going to achieve it.
0: Guys, you heard it. (laughs) here Joshua my man just brought the thunder you only live once is false you live every single day man that is that is epic proportion wisdom right there guys if you have not subscribed to this podcast Please take the time and do so now because the testimonies of God's life-changing grace, love, and wisdom, wisdom and redemption are at hand. People, people are seeing God move in mighty ways, and I want you to know that you can be encouraged uh, and, and all of that, and we can do life together. Uh, again, I want to thank you, Joshua, for your time. And uh, listeners, I want to thank you for your time, and we will see you in the next couple of days.